Hi, I'm Amy Crewalt. It's a hot one today here in Connecticut. They're um, closing the schools early today, which I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> I didn't know you could do that because it was hot. I grew up in Texas. Um, but yeah, it's it's that hot. It's, it's ridiculous. So um, I've been thinking lately about what it means to be a leader or maybe what it means to be a good leader. Um, <clears throat> many people assume that being a leader is about being the loudest person in the room. We see this a lot, you know, in, in politics, for instance, uh, sports, religious fervor is another one. Whoever gets the most riled up has the most followers. Social media, of course. But um, I think this is where my days as a musician and my different education served me well. One of my most influential piano teachers was Ray Hansen, a brilliant pianist. By the time I studied with him, he was retired or close to it from teaching at the Hart School of Music here in Connecticut. Um, I studied with him when I lived in Maryland. My parents had just moved um, to Maryland and I was 12. Uh, he'd lived in DC because his wife, Anka Shelney, another incredible pianist, uh, taught at the University of Maryland. Man, they were incredible. They were just a beautiful, amazing, warm-hearted couple. Like just the two of them together, they just lit up the room. They were just amazing. And they both did, they had the most, each had the most wonderful laugh. So together, when they would both laugh, it was, well, it was musical. It was wonderful. Um, Mr. Hansen was unlike anybody I'd ever studied with. And um, I go into more detail about it in my memoir. Uh, I think I devoted like at least three or four chapters to my, my lessons with Mr. Hansen. But, um, you know, I've been taking piano lessons since I was three years old. So he was a totally new perspective. And part of it too, you know, it was just, it was like puberty. I was a you know, totally different place in my life. So it was the combination. It was a awakening for me. One of the other, you know, reasons he was so different <clears throat> and why this is relevant to my point today. He taught me that anyone can play loud. That's easy. But <clears throat> it's playing soft that's difficult. Most of our lessons that first year were about stopping me from hammering away at the instrument like a German tank. And instead, bringing out a tone with finesse and sensitivity. He taught me to listen. Not just to the instrument, myself and the audience. I had to listen to my inner compass. I had to learn to trust myself as a musician 
And I had to learn to trust my body. I had to learn to love it. My body became an instrument, not just an extension of the piano, but it was something I was using to communicate with. Every note I played became a syllable and a word, a recitation of a musical poem, a sonnet, a play, a joke. I learned how to speak without using my mouth. But what changed for me as a performer, not just as a student, was one lesson when I struggled with a pianissimo and a Rachmaninoff prelude. My foot slammed down on the soft pedal and didn't move. But my arms still felt leaden and heavy. My body felt awkward. Something just wasn't right. It just wasn't working. It just felt... You know, as hard as I was trying, it just didn't, it just wasn't the right sound. I was playing soft, but it wasn't, it just, it wasn't what it should be. He stopped me and said, Dalin, listen, you're playing with your body all scrunched up at the piano. Just because it's soft doesn't mean the piano is the only thing that needs to hear it. Sit back. Relax your shoulders. Relax your body. Now, when you're playing this pianissimo, the softest note in the piece, don't play it for the person in the front row, because you know they're going to hear it. You play it so soft, yet so clear, that the little old lady sitting in the very back row can hear it. He smiled at me with those watery old blue eyes, nodded, and I could smell the coffee on his breath as he gave my shoulder a boost of confidence with the back of his hand. Try it, he said. So I did everything he said. I relaxed, and I envisioned the sound I needed to make for the one person in the auditorium who most needed to hear it. And I did it flawlessly. He was beaming. And I felt incredible. I learned so much in that one moment. Because it's not just about the sound I want to make, but about who needs to hear it and why. Translating that into other areas of life is so important, especially leadership. Starting within music, in collaborative and ensemble music, listening to each other involves so much more than using your ears. It's a whole body experience, and you have to become in tune with each other on a wavelength you didn't know existed. Because we don't use enough of it outside of music. I think if we did, we'd all be a lot happier. It just requires a connection with others that we don't stop to foster enough. 
This is the type of wavelength that I see people who are minimally unreliably or non-speaking use all the time because they have to. And we don't credit that enough. People in the behavioral sciences especially, I'm including myself in that number as I'm working on my graduate degree in psychology, have stopped listening to what they can't see. So I want to challenge those in leadership positions, particularly in education, to listen more than you speak. Stop before making that speech and just listen. Listen to every voice in the room, especially those who are unheard. Perhaps the unspoken voices Just listen. Learn how to speak without opening your mouth. Only then will you be able to say what you truly need to say to the people who need to hear it. I'm smiling. You just can't see it.